Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Food Jonesy and Friends podcast, Miseducation of Cultural Foods. I am Charmaine Jones, registered dietitian and owner of Food Jonesy. In addition, I have my two good friends and co-hosts with me. Please tell us a little bit about yourselves. Hi, I'm Dr. Tia Jeffrey, registered dietitian and assistant professor at the University of the District of Columbia. Hi, I'm Dr. Sapna Bateja, registered dietitian and assistant professor at George Mason University. Hey, Tia. Hey, Sapna. Okay, so we look forward to discussing our insights on critical issues at the forefront of the nutrition and dietetic profession. They include food and culture, nutrition education in underrepresented and disadvantaged communities, and providing nutrition recommendations to people of color. Let's get started. Our topic of discussion for today is questions by white dietitians on how to promote healthy eating without whitewashing. Let's talk. So today, I wanted to talk about a recent webinar that I did with an organization on how to provide nutrition counseling and education to people of color or minority, right? So this particular organization provided me with a list of questions that were asked by their white staff dietitians who were starting to work with more minorities um, like African-Americans, Hispanics, um, just people of color, right? And they just wasn't sure how to deliver nutrition counseling without being so biased or offensive. So since I have my friends with me, I wanted um, you, Dr. Jeffrey, and um, um, Dr. Bethesia, um, as both as registered dietitian and have done a ton of work in the community um, and research, I wanted you to give your opinion and your advice on how you would have answered some of these questions that they wanted me to answer or to provide them with some guidance when they provide nutrition one-on-one counseling with uh, people of color, right? So let's start with the first question. One of the first, one, these, one of the first questions that one of these white staff dietitian actually asked me was, what advice do you have for, um, have for how to talk about healthy eating without whitewashing someone's culture or making them feel like their favorite foods are disappearing? Mm -hmm. Now, how would you would have answered that? You know, that's a good question. And I have to say, you know, I'm not going to uh, provide my opinion as the spokesperson for all, how all Black people would answer this question. But what I will say is, you know, none of us should go into it helping our clients uh, with predetermined assumptions um, that they think about them, like they, they, they eat a certain way, act a certain way. Um, it's, it's good to just come in there with an open mind, just uh, learn about them, find, find, find out um, 
what they're about, what, uh, what foods they like, mm -hmm. and maybe what they're already doing. And instead of getting rid of it, how can it be tweaked a little bit? Right, right. Instead of just going there not knowing about someone's culture or thinking, because the way I look at it, we are taught cultural competency, but not as not in real life cultural competency, right? So it's mm -hmm. different from the book as when you're actually having someone in your office from a different culture and you're trying to provide this nutrition advice, give them and and trying to keep them feeling comfortable and making sure that they're not offending and not and you're not like mm -hmm. um putting your ideas or just like adding your ideas or your culture into the mix. Right. Exactly. So, right. So Dr. Bethesia, yes. how would you would have answered that question? Well, I really like that you use that term cultural competence there, because I think when you're giving advice to any dietitian, especially when they're from a different race or different culture, it really has to start with, a self-awareness, right? Yes. To understand where you are coming from. And just like you said, this idea of cultural competence, you can teach it from the books, but it really happens based off of interactions mm -hmm. and building relationships, mm -hmm. okay? And that's not always something that you can get before you start practicing, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can dial back and sort of just do a self-assessment of where you are. What are your judgments? What are your biases? Uh, what do you know about some of these different cultures? Uh, and the good thing is, is there's tons of resources out there. And the thing with nutrition is we all know we don't eat in a vacuum. There are so many different things that influence what we eat. And culture is just one of them. Um, so again, going back to that self-assessment and just looking at all the reasons why you choose the foods you do, and then trying to understand that from the perspective of your patient or your so client. How would you, um, Dr. Jeffrey Bethesia, how would you actually, what some advice would you give a white dietitian um, on how to prepare for a session? when you provide a nutrition counselor, not only to an African-American or Hispanic, but for someone that is from like an Asian culture or something like, what, what, what would be some great preparation tips? Tia, Sapna, anyone, wow. you know? You know, how to prepare for a session, you know, um, it's kind of like re reiterating, keeping an open mind uh, about the person. Preparing is, you know, being open to listening to them um, to learn more about um, how they can help them without trying to whitewash what they're doing. And another thing is that preparing for a session, you know, we, we have certain cultures where, you know, for example, I've heard some cultures don't want to uh, like to hug and other cultures do like to hug. Of course, we're in COVID right now, so nobody's really hugging right now. We're all just doing the the, the elbow bump or just or just keeping our space um, so it's, it's good to know those things in advance as far as how we greet um, people 
and how we talk to them or what we can say. I mean, I think respect is just as much was what we learned as it is intuitive. Mm-hmm. And if we are sincere, uh, you know, we're not trying too hard. We just, you know, we're ourselves. It's going to come out that way. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. You know, people know when someone's, well, for the most part, when someone's being phony and when someone's not. Uh, we, uh, they just have that, um, I guess what I like to call our sixth sense where you can uh, kind of uh, gauge a person and it, you know, with communication, you know, of course, it's not just what we say, um, but how we say it, our body language and all that, all those things that go right. into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so- yeah, I, I agree with what Dr. Jeffrey said, um, just reiterating um, that I really think education is key. Uh-huh. Education is key. So, um, and it really does, the responsibility is on the healthcare practitioner because it's not only about treating somebody with respect, but also being able to provide them the utmost care, you know? And I think that is really key. So just really trying to resist any type of judgmental attitude, you know, where they may think that just because something is different, it's not as good, you know, and even practicing. So like I mentioned earlier, whether it's just watching videos, attending seminars, um, you know, I think we're in a really unique time where the awareness of this is really rising up and people are, they want to do better, right? They want to be better. They want to treat people better. At least I hope so. So I think there's a lot of resources out there. Uh Um, And just like Tia was saying, understanding Um, how different cultures communicate with each other, uh, but so much more. And again, coming back to our field of nutrition, right? When it comes to food, culture and food are so entwined together that you need to really understand these dynamic aspects of food. Who does the cooking? Um, Who do you live with at home? What kind of uh, gender roles are there in the household? You know, all of this impacts food. And even as the healthcare practitioner, some cultures may not be as open uh, to talking to somebody who is of a different gender than them, who might be younger than them. So all of these things come into play. Yep. That's, so, and before we move on to the next question, whitewashing. For those who've never heard of whitewashing, can one of you all explain what is whitewashing? What does white people mean when they mean whitewashing? <laughs> what does it mean like watering down someone else's culture but adding european yeah. influence like what is whitewashing was that taking the soul and flavor out of what i eat every day <laughs> okay so from my perspective for some of our perspectives that could mean making something bland or uh or it could mean um I don't do cottage cheese with fruit. You know? yeah. I might uh, prefer something as eating it some other kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of like, how about this option for a snack? They say, well, what do you like to eat? What do you eat already? Okay. So what are some alternatives you could do instead? I like to do that with soda sometimes yeah. um, because, you know, I like the fizz of soda, but I know, you know, it's not 
good for me. So I'll say, well, you know, how about some uh, what club soda, seltzer water, and adding some lime or other fruit infusion to it and everything is a right. replacement. Oh. So, so whitewashing, y'all saying is like, is taking the soul out, the, taking the flavor out <laughs> some food, right? But that, I mean, there's some white people out there that can got some soulful cooking, That's what they right? can throw down, you know, I, especially, you know, in certain regions, like, um, you could say the deep south, Texas, Louisiana, oh. places like that. Right. There, really. They use um, a lot of butter. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that enough? Did I add enough butter? Are you sure? <laughs> you know, we got some um, some white colleagues that can throw down really mm -hmm. good, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. the second question that I was asked when I was serving on this panel to helping, giving advice to a staff, a, a team of white dietitian at this organization. And there was many questions, but I just kind of pulled out some of the ones that I thought that was like, really, I really wanted your feedback on how you have answered it. But the second question is, what red flags do you have for coaches to look out for that may be suggesting people eat like a white person or make changes that are not in line with someone's cultural identity. Mm -hmm. That's a deep one to me. You know why? why? Because how we are and food is a very huge part of it. Everything, no matter where you're from, globally, locally, domestically, how we are used to eating is very regionally influenced. Mm. Like, let me give you one example. Uh, those who um, migrate from other countries, you know, who live by the water, for example, uh, they, they'd be used to eating like a lot of uh, seafood or, um, or those who grew certain uh, produce uh, in their tropical regions, like tropical fruits, uh, certain vegetables and so forth, or even here, if we look at our urban communities that are underserved, regionally they are what the food that, that they have the most access to tend to be more fast food and convenience foods and that's what they're accustomed to so understanding that our uh, our food culture and our eating behaviors are also very regionally influenced are, are very important because um we could be suggesting you eat a certain way and it may just be totally disconnected to the other person based on what they're accustomed to. So it's best that, you know, we meet them where, we, where they are. Of course, we all know that. And then tr try to find out, okay, based on the resources that uh, they have, how can, they, how can they, we help them make the best out of it? And then how can we help them expand their options? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just like trying to whitewash, give, asking them to eat like, for example, Mussolini, and then there's no and there's no Mussolini around the corner from them, <laughs> you know. So Musa, what <laughs> Mussolini? <laughs> what is that? You said Mussolini. That's funny. <laughs> it's like okay, for example, at, like Black African Americans, like my ancestors. Okay, we um, from the Deep South historically. We were the ones migrating more than the Caucasian um, residents of the Deep South. 
and everyone associated black culture with soul. So when they bought those food traditions up north or to the Midwest or West Coast or whatever, started you know, they started calling it soul food, even though in the deep south, you know, uh, white people were eating it too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, again, agree with Dr. Jeffrey, and I want to take it back to something that she mentioned before when she talked about how you can sort of have the sixth sense or intuition when somebody is being genuine, but also it goes both ways. So as the coach, the health coach, the dietitian, the healthcare practitioner, you're trained in interviewing. And part of that training is to really be um, responding and listening and observing your patient and your client, right? So I think that as maybe you are going through your session with them and you might be giving them some advice that you may not know, you may be naive and think that that's, that's totally great. And this is perfect to tell them to eat some Mussolini, right? <laughs> uh, but if you, you need to really be in tune with them and you know, watch out for signs, nonverbal cues that they may not be receptive to what you're saying, and then be able to change your trajectory from there. And the other thing that is always key when we're training dietitians is that it has to be patient-centered, right? So whenever you're doing any type of counseling or education or trying to get to behavior changes, it has to be patient-centered, meaning that the patient has to agree to these changes that you're suggesting. You can't just put them on there, right? Because one of my old coworkers always used to say, it's not nutrition until you actually eat it, right? So you can say all the recommendations that you want in the world and tell them to do this, that, and the other, but until they actually eat those fruits and vegetables, it's not nutrition. Right. Mm, right. right. Yeah, that's good. Because my, my answer was basically not making assumptions, you know, just because uh, a, bl uh, a black person, uh, African American come in your office doesn't mean that they eat soul food, you know, all the right. time. And right. they may have a very different way of eating or someone from the Hispanic culture doesn't always have to eat black beans or, you know, it's just, that's just what we was taught in school as just like a standard, but it's time to get out of that standard and just looking, you know, letting, um, like, like Sapna said, allowing the patient to be centered. Patients, letting them lead the conversation and you go and then you follow along and be able to provide the best nutrition recommendations possibly, you know, to that person um, from another culture. Next is the food interlude. The food interludes are real-life experiences reacted to bring humor, entertainment, cultural, and social awareness between each act. Enjoy! Pun interlude one, Chronicles of Becky, the lead dietitian, part one. This satire is meant to provoke some thought about various beliefs and assumptions about members of the Black community. Most white nutrition professionals would not have the audacity to conduct an interview like this with a patient in real life. However, for the purpose of this is to challenge some internalized stereotypes and assumptions about African Americans that may exist in the minds of people providing services to individuals within this subpopulation through a comedic account. Enjoy. 
Nice to meet you, Raquel. My name is Becky, and I'll be the dietitian following you for the next several nutrition counseling visits. Thank you for your time, Ms. Becky, and nice to meet you, too. So, based on your low income and high school education, I'm assuming you don't know much about healthy foods, correct? Um, not true. I'm very busy and need more guidance on how to eat better and set a good example for my kids, especially while we're on a tight budget. We're on a federal assistance program to make ends meet while I'm finishing my college degree as a full-time student. I would be happy to help guide you through all of that. And since I know so much about Black people, this is a comfortable space for you to share your struggles. I have a Black friend. I watch BET, Oprah Winfrey Network, and tons of Tyler Perry movies. So I'm not racist. Um, okay. What does that have to do with me? I just wanted to assure you that I have a lot of Black friends and I love Black culture. I'm good. You know, we're not a homo <laughs> homogenous group, right? Uh, what do you mean? Well, I'm from the suburbs and black culture is very diverse. You might get a culture shock during an HBCU campus visit. What's HBCU? Um, historically, black colleges and university. That's what HBCU means. Oh, I see. So it must be tough being a single mom and trying to manage your kids and eat better. Tell me a little more about that. Well, first, Becky, I'm not a single mom. I'm married with twins. Oh, so can you tell me about how you prepare your chitlins, fried chicken, collard greens with ham hock, and grits and biscuits with gravy so I can better assist your needs? Are you serious? Um, I never had chitlins, for one. Too many fried foods upset my stomach. I prefer, I prefer kale, turnips, braised with chard. I like cream of wheat more than grits. And when I eat biscuit, I put syrup or jelly and butter in them. Oh, my bad. I thought all of you people ate food the same way. Uh, seriously? <laughs> you people? Yeah. What's with your Claire Huxtable side eye? I learn a ton about Black culture. Okay, so let me enlighten you with a true story, can I? Sure, Waquel. I'm open to whatever is on your mind. Power to the people. Well, first of all, my uncle, one of the chief physicians in this office down the hallway from you, wrote the proposal to add this services of registered dietitian nutritionist to this medical facility two years ago. And, it's, and it got approved for funding before you and your team were even recruited and hired. Oh, I'm so sorry, Raquel. I had no idea you had any successful family members. I assumed you didn't since you're on Medicaid health insurance, WIC and SNAP program benefits. Did I offend you? I promise I didn't mean anything by it. It's all good, just a hands up. I've learned so much from you today. Yeah, my pleasure, Miss Becky. One more thing. Yes, anything else you want to say, I'm all ears. 
as inspired by a Netflix production, Dear White People. One group is not more superior than others. The differences between most of us are life opportunities and privilege. Amen, sister. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to come back and listen to upcoming episodes as we discuss the misrepresentation of cultural foods, educating communities of color on adopting healthier eating behaviors and more. Go to the Food Jonesy website to listen to the past recordings, learn about our upcoming episodes, and fill out the feedback survey so we can cover topics that you want to hear. Until then, see you next time. And don't miss our next episode. Different types of healthy diets. Is that probably a good practice for us to get into to not make it seemed like one diet, particular diet, is uh, superior mm -hmm. to another. That's a very good point.